listening to The Double Shot with your favourite cousins, James and Alex Fitzgerald. Cuz, we've got you back. How sad was my lonely episode with a bit of producer JB last week? I'm halfway through. <laughs> I didn't think it was too bad. It was really good. Well done. Yeah. No, you guys <laughs> did well. God bless those people who listened to more than five minutes of it. Uh, just uh, just on that, actually, last night I was um, working late, had a webinar on, and there was a lady by the name of Helena who was, uh, you know, we can do, you can do like um, the webinars are live so they can chat. And, uh, yeah, Helena said, I love, love, love the double shot. So Helena yeah, ended up on uh, on the webinar. Good to, good awesome. to have you, Helena. And if you, you're listening, shout out. Thanks for uh, the love. Thanks for loving the podcast. Because yeah. sometimes you just, it's a its a thankless job podcasting unless you hear from people. Yeah, it is, it is. If you have can you, call it a job. Have you seen Barbie or Oppenheimer yet? No. No, <laughs> me neither. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, yeah. I haven't. But um, if I'm being entirely honest, I, I don't think I'll go and see Barbie, but I, I might see Oppenheimer. Yeah. A uh, bit more along my my lines, mm. but I will watch Barbie when it comes out. And it seems to me that everything comes straight to mm. your Netflix or your Amazon these days. So yeah. the waiting period is, isn't as long. But, no, Barbie is absolutely smashing it. I think Mate, nearly eight hundred have... $800 million worth of ticket sales three weeks in on, well, a, on a movie that cost about $150 million to make. So very, very profitable and um, just marketing genius. The mm. infiltration of yep. pop culture uh, just... You can't go anywhere without seeing pink uh, these days. Mm. That's exactly, exactly right. Because I've got a question for you. Far away. Do you talk to your mates about money? Like honest, mm. open conversations, you know, like what you earn, what you save, uh, mm. debts, credit card. Like do are you that guy or or are you cards very close to the chest? Um. Uh, with certain friends, yeah, yeah. I guess um, I, I noticed a difference when uh, you know when, when I wrote uh, my book. Like, probably had a lot yeah, of people read the book, and yeah, probably had a lot of people read the book, and because I shared a lot of my um, personal uh, experiences and, and whatnot yes. in that book. I guess had um, had a lot of people kind of take a step and, and ask. Ask me, yeah. So, so, yeah, with, with certain friends, definitely, definitely. You know, maybe not into the minutiae of exactly how much, you know, everyone earns, but you, you know a range, I guess, probably yeah. of what the household earns and saves mm. and, um, you know, mortgage rate. You know, a lot, a lot of my friends, you know, have, have bought their own home in the last sort of three to five years, I guess. So, mm. you know, it's probably like, you know, a lot of, lot of chat around that because um, that's been their, their kind of big financial commitment uh, and now they've, they're sort of starting to think about, yeah, how they can use equity and, and all that. Um, yeah, so a little bit. What about you? Yeah, pretty much a, pr pretty much an open book with most of my friends. But, you know, I, I do still feel that, like, you know, your income and, and stuff like that is, is like a bit of a taboo topic, I suppose. Mm. But it's, it's selective, right? It's who you're with. And I think also on reflecting on this question, I thought, well, you know, you don't want to put yourself in like a competitive environment in the negative sense, like where you're trying to, I don't know, like you're figuring out who earns the most and who earns the least in your group. You know, you don't really want to have that kind of mm. directional 
thing. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty like mostly an open book. If someone's sort of open with me, I'm I'm open with them, or, or I will be first. But mm. yeah, I was just just thinking, got me got me wondering. You know, are most people are they not? Um, I reckon. I start, yeah, I certainly get a lot of feedback from, you know, friends and family where, where it's sort of, yeah, don't know many people that I could talk to about this, you know. The, the, that's, yeah, definitely it's um, it's not as common as it should be, put it that way, yeah. to, to, yep. to share and uh, leverage off each other's experiences and, um, you totally. know, and, and, you know, what's worked and, and not worked for each other. Yeah, should be more of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mm. agree. Look, as long as you're not the wanker telling everyone how much you make, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 true. <laughs> hey, uh, as we record this a uh, couple of days ago, the uh, Reserve Bank of Australia announced mm. they're going to put rates on hold. Um, I, for, for mine, and I'll get your take, uh, it, I noticed in reading the minutes a clear kind of fork in the road where I think they, they now acknowledge that, hey, inflation's slowing down, Mm-hmm. because the rate movements are working. Um, I, I, I think, you know, in reading the undertone, and you never know, obviously, but uh, I feel like they're sort of less inclined to be suggesting there's going to be more rate rises. Uh, not to say that rates will come down uh, straight away or anything like that, but my take was, yeah, a noticeable difference in the tone of what they were saying. Well, I mean, you know, the RBA do have a new governor. Um, we've gone over to a well, not yet. FEMA. Not yet. Well, well, you know, two more months. But but who's to say there's not a bit of influential going on? You reckon there's a bit of a bit of a power shift at the uh, at the table? Well, well, who knows? Look, to be honest, guys, Phil and Michelle, Phil Phil Lowe and Michelle Bullock having a bit of a you know a tussle. (laughs) Maybe a co-authoring? Do you think of the uh, the minutes these days? Look, I mean, she's probably getting the handover, right? Uh, first um, ever, know. first ever female Reserve Bank governor, by the way, which so is cool. awesome. Yeah, it's very cool. It's very mm. cool. I uh, read an article the other week that's noted she has quite a significant property portfolio, um, ah, which okay. you know, you know, sadly copped a lot of flack in the media. But mm. you know, I mean, it's, it's not to say she's going to be. Um, like inflating or or, or deflating yeah. um, our economy for the sake of her three or four properties. Yeah, right? but, yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, she did cop cop a lot of flack. But look, because I've kind of, in some respects, I've disassociated myself from from hanging on onto the RBA's word too much, you know, because I think I did feel like a lot of not anxiety, but just like maybe even disappointment is the word when when it was lifted up and, and then they started going away from what they were originally saying when they were going to not put rates up till 2024. So I sort of found myself like, no, 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 I'm starting to get a little bit emotional here mm. and um, I'm disassociating. But I have to admit, you get all the emails at 2.35pm mm. um, on, on that Tuesday, that first Tuesday of every month and the headline... I'll be a hold in it as a bit of a, you know, are you, it's a um, bit of a sigh of relief. Are you, are you considering fixing rates right now? No, I am not. <laughs> I'm no. not. I'm, no. Look, maybe I should, but um, to be honest with you, I've just I've just finished a bit of a refinance because I'm going into maternity leave in, in three or four months. So for me, um, the refinance on a couple of those properties was mm. super important mm. um, to just restructure myself. So... It is probably something that I, I might need to consider in yeah. the coming months. I, I'm in the same boat. I'm, I'm refinancing three of my eight 
uh, yep. loans at the moment. So, you yeah. know, a significant um, bearing on, on the cash flow. The 12-month fixed rate is the only one I was really looking at because everything beyond 12 months, they're, they're quite they're quite high. Uh, mm-hmm. The 12-month fixed rate is about what the current variable rate is, so it's not quite making sense for me at the moment, but I'm, I'm, I'm noticing it coming down, so, you know, I'm going to keep an eye on that over the next few months. And I think if you're in a position where you really need certainty, um, I think you could safely fix for the next 12 months and you wouldn't be worse off than if you stayed on variable. Um, but if you need the flexibility or, or are happy to sort of, I guess, take a bit of a risk that you might even see rates come down this time next year, um, you know, I, I would just stick on variable. What's the 12-month fixed rate, Cal? Six, six and a half percent? Depends if you're your investor or, or, but, you know, I'm, I'm getting a, a 6% investment interest only and, and, yeah, the fixed rate is about the same, 6%, uh, which you're locking in for 12 months. So, you know, I kind of look at it and think, well, if the rate goes up slightly and then comes back down, you know, and, and maybe drops below 6% by this time next year, you're probably not worse off. So, yeah, I, I haven't I haven't taken up, it was offered as, a, as an option and no, I, did, I didn't go for it, but I, I gave it. A fair bit of thought, yeah. I think we've got to be as aggressive as we can with our rents, be as tax effective as possible and make sure that now that we've clicked over into a new tax year, you go really hard on, um, if you've got investment properties, on getting that tax back and putting it in the offset account next yep. to properties so that you are you are bulletproof, yep. Cuzzy. Sent, sent my tax off on Monday, actually. That was a lot, you, you know, laboured on no. the weekend. Laboured on the weekend and got everything no. together. Yep. The 31st of July. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Mate, that is wow. What? Is that early? Yes. Are you serious? You've got eight properties. Yeah. That's eight sets of 12 month statements. That's that's a headache. Mate, the property property manager property manager pays all the bills. So I really just take the property, the statement, my interest statements, and my insurance, and that's it. It doesn't take that long at all. And Maybe then your, I'm your doing health insurance wrong. is up. Your health insurance and your um, pay gets uploaded to um, your ATO portal these days. So you don't have to do much at all. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, if you want a little tip on how to just absolutely expedite the process, <laughs> dial into our man James James Dean. Yeah, get your property manager working harder. Get them to pay all your bills. <laughs> you know what? You're probably right. You they pay. They pay right. everything except the insurance for me. Do you not <laughs> do that? Some some of my properties they do and some they don't. I'm not oh, sure how Alex, I turned it up that way. Mate. I know. I come know. on. I tell you. All right, so we may go to uh, just briefly touch on the July house price data that came out and probably not a lot in the way of surprises, I think. Uh, most markets up by 1%, which uh, which we sort of, you know, you, you're starting to read about. Uh, in mm. the paper, the market's up by 4% year to date. Uh, anything that jumped out to you in uh, in that one, Alex? Oh, I mean, you and I have talked about it. I like your term, interesting sidebars. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sydney's the only market actually where listings are up on this time last year. The rest of us, the rest of us are down. There's nothing to buy, Cuz. There's nothing on the market. Yep. Yeah, well, or, we talked or about the best deals being done off market. Let's say. Well, yeah, I mean, and you know, to to our point a few weeks ago when we talked about interest rates and how everyone assumes that if interest rates are high, means house prices um, must be going down, whereas yep. it's just statistically not uh, true. It, it is because it all comes back to supply demand, and that is exactly the point that you're making there. That um, there is just 
an equal amount of demand really to what we mm. have seen for the past five years, but supply is well down in terms of the homes that are there t- for sale. I mean, you know, is there is there an equal amount of demand? Is there? Well, yeah, demand is up 5% on the five-year average, whereas supply and, and listings down uh, 23% on what the five-year average is. So I don't know, unless you know something that I don't around uh, <laughs> whether a listing is actually a listing. Um, Ooh. It's Ooh. economics 101, my friend. If I told you, I'd have to kill you. Total listings sitting 18% below last year and 25% below the five-year average. So we've been sitting below, we've been sitting about 20% below, now we're sort of like 25% below. So, you know, that's kind of in line with the winter trend as we would typically see. I mean, maybe maybe not in your neck of the woods in, in Queensland. Um, anyway, sales are up 2% on the five-year average, however, as you just alluded to. Um, up 5% in the cities and, and negative 2% in the, in the regions, in the regions. Yes. And it's interesting, you know, because alongside this data, we're seeing some banks doing some backflips, aren't we? You know, the guys, you know, I mean, yeah, like we don't want to give The Economist too much flack, but um, NAB, one of the guys came out recently and said, yeah, no, we think uh, house price is going to go up 10% between now and the end of next year. <laughs> yes. It's like, hang on, wait, hang on a second. You were forecasting negative 20% six months ago, but... That's the beauty of data, right? When the data comes out. um, Not a bad job to be an economist. You get to revise your forecast six times throughout the year. (laughs) Pretty handy. Anyway, uh, speaking of flack, what about about Dan Andrews? Isn't he getting a bit of flack at the moment? Uh, He's obviously, he's got a lot of flack for the... uh, He lives in flack. Well, yeah, the Commonwealth Games was was the big one. But the rent freezes, Mm. that one got a lot of airtime over the past week. He was talking about freezing the rent uh, down in Melbourne. Um, Mm. I mean, my take on it is that that that's his job, right? His job is to consider any and all measures that may assist with affordability and housing Mm. supply. I don't think it'll get off the ground because rent freezes don't work. That is statistically proven. There's too many uh, countries and cities around the world that have tried it and seen that it actually doesn't improve the affordability Mm. um, and supply of housing. Um, But, yeah, geez, it got the headlines. Well, it's, I guess it's a political play, right? Like you come out and say you're going to freeze rents, you know, maybe is like a it's – it's a nice feeling for those that are struggling, the rental market, you know, they've gone to 50 places, put in 60 applications and they still can't get a place. It, mm. it feels nice if a politician is putting rent freezes, but it does not solve the supply issue, which is ultimately ex- exactly what the issue is. That it, it's Rent freezes is, is related to the – weekly rent, right, or the mm. monthly rent. So they're trying to freeze that. It doesn't actually bring on more rentals. No. Um, well, and, and, it just and, feels and, nice. And when the tenant moves out, it it you just get to um, put it up to whatever the market's willing to pay. So it, it doesn't, exactly. it, it's, it's a short-term stuff. thing. And, and what it actually, you know, the evidence actually suggests that what, what happens is it, it holds a lot of people back because they're almost scared to, you know, as they grow out of the house and need to upgrade, they're, you know, realising that the rents mm. jump up so significantly if they need to upgrade. So it actually holds back the, the stages of life for people as well. But anyway, yeah. let, let's not get too bogged down there. What, what I do want to move to, though, 
the only state or territory in Australia where there is a rent freeze, and that is in the ACT in Canberra. It is the only state or territory in Australia where they call it it's a rent control. That. It's a rent control. I did not know that. Yep, I did so not know that. For those not familiar, since 2019, <laughs> Canberra has uh, allowed a rent control or had a rent control running where you can only increase your rent by 10% above uh, inflation. So, for, for example, inflation was can 7% last year, so you can only increase your rents by 7.7%. Uh, that, that's the cap. If uh, it's an existing tenant, obviously if the tenant moves out, you just list it and, and it, it goes for whatever the market is willing to pay. Uh, well, but yeah, Canberra's the only market in Australia. It's kind of interesting, you know, because I, I actually didn't know that and they've done that from 2019. So this was pre, like, serious housing crisis and, yeah. and COVID. And now when we look to um, this this new YIMBY phase, which most of us would know NIMBY, but mm -hmm. now it's we're in the YIMBY, which is yes in my backyard, the ACT are looking at changing their, their laws by allowing effectively more density, so townhouses, duplexes, basically more density as of right. So when you think about Canberra sort of capping rents from 2019 or, or putting a rent freeze, I should say, um, it's interesting because it, it, it's like it shows that it's, it's a supply issue mm. and, and now they've sort of realised that. Well, and their chief minister um, came out and, and basically said as much. He said the answer is supply. He said, uh, mm. you know, and, and, and I think he's, uh, he's quite, I don't have it in front of me, but it was something like in terms of improving affordability of housing, the yep. answer is supply, then supply, then supply, then supply, <laughs> and then things like rent control. So that's coming from, you know, yeah. the, the chief minister is like the equivalent of, of the premier in, in a territory. You don't have premiers mm. in, in the territory. Mm. So for those not familiar, that he's effectively he's like the Dan Andrews of Canberra. He said, we've had them since 2019. They don't work. You've got to introduce supply. And the way that they're seeing that is to go and, and rezone anywhere where you, you are zoned for one house on a block of land. You're yeah. right. You can, you can basically go up to, um, you know, four or five properties on the one block of land mm. if, you know, you can make it work from a setback point of view, market acceptance, all that sort of thing. And, and they've modelled it off Auckland. Auckland in 2016 did yeah. something very, very similar. Upzoning. That's the hot word, upzoning. Upzoning, yeah, and it just takes away the, the blanket zone uh, mm. but basically. And um, what that did is in, in Canberra it would mean that 80% of all the land in Canberra you could now build up to four houses instead of one. Uh, and in Auckland it was similar. It was about 75% of all the houses in, in Auckland you could do similar. And the data now, they've got seven years' worth of data. Their rents since 2016 in, in Auckland have increased by 10 mm. to 20% mm -hmm. compared with about 40% in other um, uh, markets like Wellington where you don't have that, that up zoning and, and supply accommodation. So it's, uh, it's cutting-edge stuff in Canberra. It will get up. And I think every state and territory will follow in the next five years. You will be able to um, do so much more on a block of land than yep. what you are able to do today. Oh, I mean, just think about it. Like they, they said in the ACT that 80% of their land was zoned for like detached housing. So, you know, like one house, yep. one house on one block, one, one on one. 
Um, like that's that's not a sustainable model for a for a growing growing city, growing area. Um, you've yeah. got to be. It's it's all about land use and, and effectively using it. And I think you know people say, oh, high density, you know, apartments. Not that's not the essence of our city. It's not the essence of this particular suburb or whatever. But it's not only in the form of of apartments. You know, um, all of these attached style homes. They can be very effectively built. So it, it seems like an obvious. Mm. I, I don't want to say quick fix, but it seems like an obvious way to. Yeah. Bring on supply, right? Well, Utilise what you got and, and not having to extend your infrastructure. Well, and a g- gentleman by the name of, fa- fantastic name, by the way, Peter Tulip. Uh, he's Dr. from the centre. Dr. Peter Tulip. He's the chief <laughs> economist for the for the Centre of Independent Studies. Don't know what that means. Or the, They sound very independent, though. Sounds good. Uh, yeah. In any event, he, uh, he has come out and said ba- basically that if the market won't accept it, if it's not feasible, it just won't happen. Yep. You know, that, that that's the reality. Like, you know, mm. why try and just have so much control over what can and can't happen? It does limit um, supply. So, yeah, it, uh, it'd be very interesting to follow. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that one over the next, say, back end of 2023. I'd imagine they're wanting to get that one through by the end of the year down in Canberra. Look, and, and, you know, the ACT aren't necessarily the maverick of this idea. Like, it seems to be happening all around the country. It just depends on, on the council, if you will, and maybe the state government that's behind them. Like yeah. we talked about Gold Coast City Council, even Logan and some of those little pockets that are pushing for secondary dwellings. So watch this space, I say. Because what, what's on your mind? I feel like, you know, you've had something just bugbearing you this morning. You, you want to get something off your chest. What is on your mind, my friend? Uh, well, you know, what, you know what is on my mind? A very <laughs> common question that I've been getting lately, and I'm curious to get your perspective on this, is kind of what's the ideal price to be buying an investment property for? And so, mm. you know, I'm, I'm curious, like, what would, you know, what would the, if, if say, compared to the median house price in Australia, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what would the majority of your investment properties, you know, have been bought at as a percentage of, of that price Dude. over the years? Dude. like. Like many, many in house price in Australia is today $900,000, give or take. Yep. Um, are you above, at, under, you know, what are you, what are you sort of, what's your method around that? Um, oh, I mean, come on now. Well, you're setting me up for this because you and I operate in the same bracket of, of thought discussion here. But un, well under the median house price, the cheapest property that I, I've bought was. Um, Definitely the first one in 2013, ooh, maybe 2014. That was $420,000. Yeah, median um, house price would have been about six hundred, I reckon, back then, maybe five, and, uh, late yes, fives. Yeah. in Queensland. And I was also going to say that the median house price for that particular suburb was mm. only maybe $500,000. But mm. it was also, that was all I could afford at the time. Um, mm. And the most expensive property that I, I bought was in 2020. It was a massive block of land, so it was justified, but it was about 705000 mm. It was a mm. massive piece of land and had to rope Dean in on that one. <laughs> um, but but um, still, I think about $100,000 under the median house price at, at that particular time, and, and it was yeah. in, in Victoria. So under the median house price in the affordability bracket, not just the affordability bracket for, for renters and... Um, and ninety percent of the population, but my affordability bracket as well. Yeah, what about I think, you? 
Why are you leading me? Where what? Where's this garden path going? Well, I've just been get, I've been getting the question a lot lately. Like, what, you know, what what should we be spending mm. today? Because house prices have moved a fair bit in the last um, couple of years, and and I guess you know mm. my my um, my my uh, kind of you know uh, center point is that yeah you 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 want to be at or under the median house price as a mm. as a rule of thumb because. There's a couple of reasons for that. You know, at the end of the day, the property's only there to do two things, um, grow in value and yep. give you, you know, stable cash flow. Um, that 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 really at the end of the day is, is all it's mm. there for and, and you've mm. got to have a bit of both. You can't, you you know, and the affordable end of the market's where you get the best balance, I think. You know, that, that that's the yep. that's the reason is, is, you know, from a growth point of view, the, the top end of the market is extremely volatile. Um, mm. So you get really big increases, but you also get a lot bigger declines in value. Whereas the the sort of middle end, affordable end of the market, you you get more like a of an up and then a flat line and then an up and a flat line. So it's it's a lot more sort of stable for you. Um, mm. And then mm. and then yeah, from a rental point of view, you're right. You know the reality is, the average Australian earns you know. $90,000, um, the average household earns about 130000 So you take out the tax, um, you know, and, and let's say a household, you, you're down to maybe $100,000 and, and most people want to spend about 30% of their income uh, on, on rent. So that, that that's, you know, $30,000 a year or, or $600-odd a week. So, you know, mm. it's, it's sort of basic math. The higher the rent is the less of a pool of tenants you've got, which to me means that it's just that little bit harder to replace the tenants, you know. So if, you, if you're needing, you know, $150,000 a year in, in rent, mm. um, all of a sudden you're in a really small pool of people that, that could actually afford yep. to rent your property. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, theoretically, you're if you if you're looking for one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year rent, you know, you're you're probably in a small pool of population oh, you, yourself. Yeah, oh, you know, even if like say it's 60, well, even, even if it's sixty thousand dollars, it's thousand dollars a week, right? There's there's not a lot of people yeah. that could afford to pay a thousand dollars a week. Mm. Um, you, know, you know, it's interesting. Like with all of these rental increases, and and particularly like for example, one of my properties went from. $465 a week to $675 a week. Wow. Um, and I actually had a tenant leave um, and then the new tenants came in. But for me as a landlord, it was an adjustment. Mm. And the the best way that I could justify the, or, or for myself, maybe morally or, or, you know, like if someone was going to be able to afford this was to actually look at the applications that came through, figure out the household income and then what my rent was as a percentage of that income. And I actually mm. ended up doing it across all of my houses and the um, like the average rent per annum was only about 20% of most of their household income, in some cases less. Mm. Um, so I- interesting, like 30% has always been the metric that's been used. Um, but, yeah, m- most of mine have been have been even lower than that. I'm not sure what that's saying about my rents or or what, but that's that's probably also a, a result of me staying at the affordable end of the bracket, I suppose. I've always yeah, I've always sort of felt, you know, cash flow is the oxygen of 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 property investing and and, and investing full stop, right? So it's yep. always been probably the the thing I'm most nervous about is having a high vacancy 
period because there's nothing worse than when you've got a month of no income and, and yes. your bills still come in. You, yeah. you know, the bank doesn't give you a month with no interest. So, no, sir. Um, you know, for me, yeah, sticking to, you know, kind of working backwards, I guess, from the, the, the average income in Australia and then and then working out the thirty percent that that to me has always made a lot of sense that that you know I've got half of all Australians say that that could afford to rent mm. um, my my property you know rather than than say um, you know at a thousand bucks a week you, you might only have ten percent of all Australians that can afford to rent your property so of course there's a much higher risk that mm. you're not going to have someone in there fifty weeks out of fifty two necessarily mm. so yeah affordability you know a lot of people say how much could I spend I guess that's that's my approach is is well working backwards from you know what's affordable that's what I I would spend because to me that that gets you that right balance and and mm. um and covers off that cash flow risk yep absolutely I guess num- number one what what can you borrow uh for an investment mm. property and, and number two is how do you yeah you use that number um applied to to the median price of the area that you're looking at that ticks cash flow and, and growth for you. Do you feel like you've got it off your chest? Are you satisfied with the thought sharing that yeah. you've just done? Yeah. Are you satisfied with the new <sighs> podcast room that you've got, by the way? We forgot to touch on that uh, at the outset. I really hope my sound has been good today because I have. I've moved all of my gear into uh, a really funky space that's, is within the the co-working building that I I work in most days. Got to say, the ladies, thank you, Caitlin, thank you, Bree, helped me set up this morning. They locked me out of it, but you know, you know, they did help me. So to be fair, I think it's good. Does my sound sound all good? Like, is everything good from from your end? I guess we'll get some feedback. No doubt, we'll hear from you, TJ. <laughs> No, no. Uh, look, it was just—it was just lovely. We got to pretty much for those who it listen. Was just lovely. We've normally had to cut the pod into about four or five uh, <laughs> different segments because Alex's Wi-Fi freezes at home. <laughs> Whereas this podcast we've done in one sitting, so that it could be a uh, long one today, it could be a short one. I got no idea. But um, no, it was just nice to not have to pause couldn't because agree you've had a reliable uh, Wi-Fi, stable connection, stable connection. Yeah. Oh, All right, guys, thanks T- for TPG joining us. Sorted out. Thanks for joining us. Um, have a good week, Kaz, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll see you next week. Bright, same time. Bright and yeah, early. Yeah, catch ya. Yeah, catch ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Double Shot with your favourite cousins, Alex and James Fitzgerald. If you've got a burning question or something we absolutely need to talk about on the pod, please write to us. Both of our emails are in the show notes. For little real estate tidbits and a little bit of banter, okay, a lot of banter, you can follow us on the gram. Our handle is the doubleshot.podcast. That, my friends, is the doubleshot.podcast. Until next time, think of us when you sit back and sip your next double shot.